Hello, welcome to episode 19 of the London Arts Review from The Flaneur. Yeah, welcome to the Flaneur podcast, straight out of London, UK, it's where we broadcast. This week we visit the Renegade Craft Fair in Brick Lane, review Macbeth from Tara Arts that is now on tour around the country, and get a taste of the deep American South at London's new Joe's Southern Kitchen. Thanks for tuning in and taking your time, arts and culture, reviews you'll find, we're the top podcast out in London, UK. A great time is what we're fronting every day. We also review Brazilian film Futura Beach. Finally, we have new music from Ben Hayes featuring Naomi Banks. Without further ado, let's start the show. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Let's go. Last weekend, the Renegade Craft Fair returned to the Truman Brewery, showcasing a large selection of indie makers from the UK and beyond. We spoke to a couple of the exhibitors that caught our eye. But first of all, we asked curatorial and design associate Madeline Giuliano what made it renegade? It's a big, emerging designer, beautiful art fair. We support like a very a growing community of artists across the country in the U.S. And then in London, we found that there was so many people sort of doing the same thing and jumping on board with the craft scene. How long has the renegade art show been going on? Um, we started in 2003 in Chicago in Wicker Park. I think we had around 25 to 30 booths at that show. And then it grew from there and we expanded. How many people are in the show? In this show, there's 110, actually 111 vendors. Of those 111 vendors, we spoke to two who caught our eye. I'm Amy Worrell, and I make um, ceramics that are based on girls on holiday. So it's inspired by, like, um, spring, American spring break and then kind of, like, crummy Spanish resorts, like, on the Costa del Sol. It's got a certain style, hasn't it? How would you describe that? I don't really know. I didn't. I studied illustration at university, and I taught myself to use ceramics. So I guess it's evolved that way from two D to three D. The ones that are, in, are unusual are the mammary ones. What's going on there? Um, it was just like a, it kind of evolved from obviously doing things about women only, and I just it was kind of a celebration of women's bodies. So yeah, I kind of, and then I quite like that it really abstracted it. Because a lot of what I do is obviously very literal, and I like like playing around with that as a repeat pattern, rather than it being part of a body anymore. And is there a website people can check out your work? Yeah, it is. it's amyworld.co.uk. Across the room, a very minimal display attracted our attention. Can you tell me your name? James. James Prorock. Everything else around here is craft, but yours seems more like art and design. What's going on? I guess it's craft design. The lines are quite thin. I guess I don't know. It's just a natural exploration of of the kind of things that I make. I did a Renegade, I guess, because uh, I went to Chicago one time and saw a, saw a Renegade there and it was quite good and it seems like a fun thing to do, I guess. So what's your background then, in craft or in art? Or? Uh, graphic design. Yeah, I'm a graphic designer. That's my, my day job. Um, and I've also done like installations for, for shops and, and exhibitions in the past. Um, so I guess that's where the kind of more, uh, you know, tactile stuff came from like the concrete in the woods so that's where that came from and uh, this is just a way to kind of present art and design in a, in a way that, that I wanted So one of these pieces is, a, is an avocado or a sculpture of an avocado split in half with a, a with a turned, turned uh, wooden pit Yeah. So, um, so these are sculptures are they? Yeah that's right but you, you know you've got to play with them, you've got to pick them up and, and touch them um, yeah, concrete is the natural one. There's uh, black concrete, white concrete, you know, lacquered woods, just playing around with 
colours. And the, the light bulb sculpture, is that... Can you explain something about that? It says next to it, I have something I want to tell you. Yeah, th- th- those are just stickers. The whole idea is that it's like a sort of a game, you know. You, you have to put the pieces together. A lot of them are quite abstract, just quite simple shapes and, and playing around with shapes and, uh, and just the materials. And... How do the numbers fit in? Because there's a lot of ones and then a 40 and a 20. Well, again, again, it's like that whole idea of a game. Those are the, the prices, but the, oh, the prices. yeah, but the way I just want to lay it all out, I want to just kind of like deconstruct whatever this is and just make it something nice. You know, I'm not too too bothered about selling that much because you know it's not really uh, it's not about that. Well, it's the most elegant stall here. I think it's looking it's looking good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. That means a lot. Yeah. Is there a, is there a website people can look up your stuff? Yeah, there is um, bbhh.co.uk. Um, but the Instagram's better, which is uh, at bbhhldn. Um, yeah, that's that's where I update most. I mean, that's great. Thanks very much. This is the art season in New York. At the Metropolitan, the Guggenheim, the new Whitney Museum, Museum of Modern Art, and here at the elegant Wally F. Art Galleries, where art lovers see a show that marries art with fashion. This abstraction, called Caperland No. 1, is not a painting and it's not on canvas. It's printed on Caperland nylon and can be worn. So fashion models walk through the art galleries wearing chic dresses in the same prints that are framed to hang on the walls like old masters. And what's more, this art is washable. Living in our rainy city has a lot of benefits, but for those with a hankering for shrimp and grits, it's a long way from the deep south by which I mean Mississippi and Louisiana, not Torquay and Plymouth. The intercontinental flight dividing England from America makes an evening of authentic mac and cheese or spoon bread an expensive and time-consuming venture. However, if you can make it to Kentish Town, the new Joe's Southern Kitchen and Bar has brought the Deep South experience to NW1. Established in Covent Garden for over two years, their new branch has just opened and the flaneur went along to get a taste of the South. Chasing the neighbourhood diner look, the restaurant is kitted out with red leather banquettes, dark wood floors and bare brick walls. There's an occasional neon sign and a projector that, when I passed, was showing an image of the iconic Route 66, ramping up the Americana to prepare diners for the food to come. Before tucking in, you can sample the lengthy cocktail menu. This has some eye-popping and dreadfully panned creations, along with the classics, with one night in jail coming to the table flaming. Even if you take your cocktails as seriously as a friend who orders her martini shaken, wet, with a twist of lemon and a dash of orange bitters, the barman can happily provide. The lychee from the favourites menu is a particular treat, making from gin, lychee, creme de peche and a splash of pineapple juice a gently invigorating concoction. Highlights of the menu include the deep-fried short rib meatloaf, which is served with a poached egg on top and Dijonese mustard below. This is a square of crispy-coated melting meat with red onion jam, the mustard and egg giving extra tang and texture to each crunchy mouthful. It's the dish that would have me going back, along with the shrimp and grits, which is rare over here and a welcome find. Of course, fried chicken is the restaurant's staple, cooked with 24-hour sweet tea brined birds with lemon dust and hot-sourced honey. The menu gives the provenance of the meat used, free-range from Churchill Farm in Yorkshire, but with this style of cooking, it is submerged beneath the strong flavourings, which include homemade barbecue sauces. 
Food from the Deep South isn't advertised with the slogan getting as many calories into your body as quickly as possible, but trade descriptions couldn't have a complaint if it was. The menu does have salads for the faint-hearted, but that's not the point. This is fun food for when you need indulging. If you've got room for dessert after your Big Apple hot dog or Joe's prison plate, or whichever American-inspired main you've chosen, then I recommend the iced honey and chocolate parfait sandwich. A touch too sweet, but a satisfyingly grown-up way of having ice cream for pudding. Joe's is a sociable place. It's a go-with-your-mates-for-a-catch-up kind of joint, the conversation breaking off every now and then to say, try this, it's delicious. There's no pretension, there's an alfresco area which will be popular in the summer, and the food is made for scoffing. Macbeth, seen at Stratford Circus but now touring nationally, is brilliantly reinterpreted by Tara Arts and Black Theatre Live in a new collaboration. An all-Asian cast delivers a version of Shakespeare's dark masterpiece that feels so naturally Anglo-Indian that it would have Alex Salmond spluttering into his neeps and tatties. Though sometimes a little ragged around the edges, the editing, choreography and performances drive the action forward at such a compelling speed that it had the audience on the edge of its seats. The rhythm of the live Indian drumming and the blank verse of the speeches fused into a vital energy that never let the pace flag for a moment. The modern Indian costumes and balletic martial arts didn't distract at all, and the depiction of the witches as Hishras, India's third gender and long associated with ceremony and magic, was a masterstroke. Mischievous, macabre and suitably bearded, they delivered double-double toil and trouble as a brilliant Bhangra chorus. Robert Mountford's magnificent Macbeth is doomed from the moment he sees them, even without the murdering ministries of Shaheen Khan as his sinister but all-too-plausible wife. Uma Pasha's avenging Macduff has real depth, and the horror of the violence against his family has rarely been more powerfully portrayed. Amongst the rest of a strong cast, special mention must go to Shalini Paris, who doubles as an intensely tragic Lady Macduff and a wonderfully comic Portia. All in all, this is a very intelligent production. My only criticism of Jatinda Verma's compelling interpretation is that, for me, this is a play about power, not, as he argues, about family. There are other plays about ambition and murder in a family, I look forward to a Tara Richard III set in contemporary multiracial Leicester, or indeed a white RSC production of one of the ancient Indian works of Kalidasa. But this is a minor quibble, given the triumph of Verma's main argument about Anglo-Asian cultural identity, and his worry that purity of culture is synonymous with purity of evil. Here is a triumph of cultural fusion, in the performance of a great play from a Briton whose history, fabric and future is necessarily culturally mixed. If only those running this country's arts could stop guiltily obsessing about where we came from and start thinking positively about where we're going. Gay, techno-loving, motorcycle-riding beach bums are the obvious target audience of Brazilian drama Futuro Beach, though the film draws in other viewers by focusing on the difficulty of relationships in general. You don't have to be gay to find long-distance relationships hard, or to wonder what to do once you've moved countries to be with a partner. Donato, Wagner Mora, 
is a lifeguard on Futuro Beach in Brazil. When we meet him, he has just lost a man. The first swimmer drowned on his watch. The dead man's German friend Conrad, played by Clemens Schick, is in hospital. Unwisely, and surely against all protocol, Donato takes the dead man's clothes to him. He gives Conrad a lift home, and though they've hardly been together for five minutes and hardly spoken to each other, somehow they stop the journey to have sex. The relationship develops and Donato heads to Germany, leaving behind the young brother who hero-worships him. Director Karim Anus has favoured wide static camera shots that give sumptuous views of the Brazilian beach. Careful composition creates elegant scenes with shadows integral to the image design. The colours of Brazil and Germany contrast strongly, and it is aesthetically that the film scores most highly. The developing story is a little unlikely. Donato stays in Germany, dealing with the issues and problems that he finds there and that he brings with him from Brazil. Eventually he meets his brother again. The time gap is unspecified, uh, but would have been helpful to know. Whilst his brother becomes completely unrecognisable, Donato merely seems to have grown a beard and stopped brushing his hair. Futura Beach is slow-paced and the interest does fall away, but it is an examination of a relationship that may be familiar to many. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our contributors, Eleanor Knight and A.N. Donaldson. If you've seen anything interesting, why not send us your thoughts to podcast.flaneur.london, or you can record them by Skyping us at Flaneur TV. You can read more reviews at www.flaneur.london. But now we finish with a track from Ben Hayes' new EP, Hedonia, featuring Naomi Banks. This is Did I? <laughs>